Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Highland Baptist Church Network and the audio broadcast ministry of our church. Today, Pastor Brian Calhoun continues in the series, Living Right Side Up in an Upside Down World from the Book of James. The Book of James gives practical actions a believer can take in the time in which we live. Here is Pastor Brian with a message entitled, Planning for Tomorrow, Depending on God. That's one of my new uh, favorites, right? There. I got a lot of favorites, but it's one of my new favorites there. Goodness of God, I love that song. Um, just says so much about no matter what we face in life, we've known the goodness of God. When I think about today, I think about one year ago. Do you? Think about one year ago. One year ago, this Sunday, as in one year ago, I'm not talking about the 14th, because the 14th, everything was still pretty good, you know. Um, we could still meet. It was starting to get more restrictive and stuff like that. When we talk about the pandemic. And then on Sunday, the 15th of last year, which would have been this Sunday, okay, um, we meet together, and we had a great worship service. And all of a sudden, before we leave that evening, it says down to like 50 or 25 or something like that. It went from like 200 and something, I think, and then down to 100, and then it just kept going down throughout the day. I don't remember the numbers, um, but by the time we left, you know, it had gone all the way down to like 50 people or something. And when I thought about that, only the Lord knew that today I would be preaching on a message about, hey, plan, but depend on God. It's okay to plan, okay to do that. Matter of fact, we should do that, but we must depend on God even in our planning. And last year, we had no idea, zero, that would be the way that it ended up being. I mean, I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize. I mean, they said, you know, two weeks to slow the spread. I'm like, yeah, all right, two weeks, we'll be back to normal again, you know. And then for many across the nation, it's been a year to slow the spread, and they're still locked down and, um, all across our nation. And uh, the reality is, it's kind of been upside down. However, we did try, and we still did try to live right side up in an upside-down type of world. We understood that, you know, the message of God doesn't change, but the methods do sometimes change. And we use many different methods throughout this year to still get the gospel out, to still disciple our people, and to do all these different things. And as I thought about that, I thought about this passage here today, I'm like, wow, I said, only the Lord would be able to make it line up a year to the day that we had to kind of hunker down, right? So James chapter 4, beginning in verse number 11, going down through verse number 17, how do you truly plan for tomorrow and still depend on God today? There are three principles that you must apply to plan for tomorrow and depend on God today. From this passage of scripture. So if you have your Bibles open or you're actually finding uh, James chapter 4, if you'll please stand with me in honor and reverence for the reign of God's holy, inspired, infallible, inerrant word. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? 
It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, you shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Father, we come before you right now, and Lord, it really has been a year. And what is so comforting to me, Lord, and hopefully to all of us, but comforting to me is that you knew it. Before it happened, you knew it. Everything that happens in my life, everything that happens in our lives, Lord, we know is Father-filtered. We know that you're sovereign, and nothing happens that you do not allow to happen. And so, even though we don't understand why things happen the way they do, we don't understand why was it even something that happened at all, we know that you do. And Lord, I pray that right now today that as we look at this passage of Scripture that you will help us to understand even more so about what it means for us to diligently plan but wholeheartedly depend upon you. And so, Lord, today I prayed, hide me behind the cross that I can preach your word with passion and conviction without any reservation. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Three principles that you must apply to plan for tomorrow and depend on God. First, we'll look at the position principle. The position principle. You need to understand your position in Christ and your position with others. Look at verse 11. Speaking evil of others, or in other words, slandering one another and judging one another is totally incongruous with the humble spirit that God desires. No one dares to assume a haughty position over the law. That's what James is really saying, that when you do this, you're judging the law, and no one, not anyone, can fulfill the entire law that's been given. And so the position principle, you are in Christ. You are under the leadership of Jesus Christ. He is in you, and you are under his authority. And then verse 12, only one is above the law. He alone has the right to modify or overrule it. God is the lawgiver and judge. Lawgiver is a compound noun. It's used only here in the New Testament, so I'm going to tell you what it means. It comes from one word meaning law, the other word meaning to set, to place, to constitute, or to lay down, and you put it together. It is the lawgiver, to lay down the law. Many times we'll talk about how we are going to lay down the law, right? And so that's really what it means here, to be the lawgiver. God not only authored the law, he also administrates the law. God serves as both the executive and judicial branches of divine government. God is king. He executes and declares his law. God is judge. He upholds and enforces his law. God is the one who is able to save, and he's the one who can destroy. In the gospel in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, we read this. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Paul wrote about this over in Romans 14. 
Romans 14, verse 4, he said, Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. A humble attitude and just actions are essential for spiritual growth. James then went on to show how these qualities of life go against empty boasting. They go against empty boasting. So, the bottom line, you plan for tomorrow and depend on God when your will is if the Lord wills. When your will is if the Lord wills. I remember growing up, I heard this many times from many different people, many times older people, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. What they meant is, hey, I'm going to plan. I'm I'm going to plan on doing this, plan on doing that. But if the Lord wills, I will do it. If the Lord does not, then guess what? I won't do it. And that's the way we ought to be, too, is we ought to plan. Plan for tomorrow. I mean, that's why after church today, the um, youth uh, parents and different ones meet down front to be planning for tomorrow, planning for what's going to happen. Last year, last year, we had Fuge on the calendar. That's youth camp. For those who don't know what that is, that's Fuge Youth Camp. We had youth camp on the calendar. And so it was still on, still on, still on. And then they said, well, we can still do it, but you have to move your time. So we moved it once or twice. I can't remember. Somebody moved it twice. But I know we moved it once. We moved it to the end of the summer, like the last week you could have it. And so finally, after all the discussion, after that, trying to try figure this out, they finally said, we're just going to have to cancel it for the summer, not going to be able to do it. And now, look, I don't cast stones at people because reality is everybody then, and hopefully everybody today, is trying to do the right thing. They're trying to do the best thing for everybody involved. And so more that we learn about the virus, more we learn about these things, we can start modifying and doing things differently, right? But I don't cast any stones, hey, they should have had it about that. Well, it just happened. They were planning like we were planning. They were thinking, we will do this if the Lord wills. And they tried to make the best decision they could for everybody involved. And so that brings me to the planning principle. The position principle, you are in Christ, and therefore you're under his leadership and authority. You're not over him. He is over you. He's over me. The planning principle. Now look at verses 13 through 17. The planning principle there. Notice, if you will, what's going on. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas... You do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. That's through verse 15. We've learned a lot during this last year. One thing that we've learned a lot about, I don't know about you, but I, you know, as a guy, you know, we don't have purses. We have pockets, right? We carry things in our pockets. Some carry more. Some carry less. I probably end up on the more side, okay, um, because I want to make sure if I need something, I have it. Um, but one thing we learned is about these things right here, these little masks, right? These masks, what does it do? It kind of supposed to help you not to give your germs away, but also hopefully not to receive. Now, the more we thought about it, the more we learned about it, really it's more about you giving than receiving because you're going to probably, you may, if you receive it, you're going to receive it with this on or not. But the reality is it talks about all these droplets come out of your mouth, right? This little, just droplets come out. They're there and then they're gone. 
They're there and they're gone. Matter of fact, I heard this last week and I heard it somewhere else and I didn't believe it because of who, because of not who said it, but I didn't know them. And so I'm like, well, are they doing? No, they're talking about it. I heard it again this week. I think James Dobson said this that when we breathe in and out, all of us in this room right now as we breathe, we're breathing three nitrogen molecules that every person that's ever lived has breathed. Now, how cool is that? Think about it. You're breathing the very breath that Jesus breathed. Three, three, three nitrogen molecules. You're breathing what Julius Caesar breathed. You're breathing what William Shakespeare breathed. You're breathing what Babe Ruth breathed. Now, that's a lot closer to us, right? But the reality is, when we breathe in, we breathe out. These little molecules go out. We don't even see it. We don't even see these droplets going out. Now, sometimes when I preach, you do. I mean, I get it. But we don't really see the droplets going out. But yet, it's there, and then it's gone. That's where our life is. Our life is a vapor, and then it is gone. The planning principle James gave an example of a boastful statement, and he said that uh, we ought not be boasting. James' attack was direct. He says, come now here in verse 13. He says, literally, it means go now. Um, it's a phrase used only by James in the New Testament. And, uh, and what he does is he's trying to gain their undivided attention. It's kind of like saying, listen up. Come now. Come now. Go now. Listen up. Listen up what I'm about to say here. Notice, if you will, with the statement of boasting, the offender that James attacked was the typical businessman who makes his plan without God. Makes his plan without God. I'm talking about planning with God. He was talking about those planning without God. He's self-assertive in his travel plans. He's confident in his time schedule. <laughs> How many people were confident last year? Business people or people go on vacation. I'm going to fly somewhere in April. Or I'm going to fly somewhere in May or June. I'm, I'm going to fly over here, fly over there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And they were so sure I'm going to do these things. One of my friends, he goes a lot of places like that. He's in the business world, and he usually drives most of the time, but he does have to fly some. And he said, it was so weird this last year. Not flying, not, not, not traveling and doing things and all that kind of stuff. He said, it was just a lot different. But he had plans. I'm, I'm planning on going to, to Memphis, or I'm planning on going to Atlanta. I'm planning on going to uh, Phoenix. I'm planning on going here, there, and yonder. And guess what? For many, it didn't happen. And what James is talking about here is for the one who plans without God. It's like, thumb and nose God, I'm going to do this no matter what. And he says that's foolish and that's arrogant to do that. He's even self-centered in his trade relationships. He says here, buy and sell and make a profit. That word there is a compound verb. I, I love this. Um, one of the places that, that we've been and we enjoy, it's a good time to get away and stuff like that. We love going to Walt Disney World and going right down Main Street. They have there something called the Emporium. And the Emporium there is a wonderful place you can shop and all that kind of stuff. And really, in Florida, get out of the heat. You know, but um, it's just a wonderful place. Well, this is the same compound verb that's used here. The word is emporusmetha. That's what the word is. But you can hear the first part of emporium that's in there. And it's related to a merchant or a trader or someone drumming up business. One who goes in and gets trade. It's a vivid picture of the Jewish merchant. 
What they would do sometimes is, as a Jewish merchant would literally drum up business, they would literally be drumming and making noise and attract people to their truck or to their, or to their wares or some, some way just to let you know they were there. They would be drumming up business. That's where you get the terminology, drumming up business. They would make noise so people would hear them coming. And it's a vivid picture of a go-getter salesman drumming up business. And the bottom line objective was to make money. Listen to Job. Job 7, verse 6 and 7. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is a breath. My eye will never again see good. Listen, man's plans are always tentative. Our plans always are tentative. Your plans are not your own. Your time is not your own. In fact, your life is not your own. Also from James again, James 1 verse 9, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. Then James asks a very famous question, what is your life? Your life is a vapor. It's a mist. It's here and then it's gone. Listen, because believers need this godly perspective on their earthly sojourn. Among other things, it blasts boasting right out of the selfish, proud swamp from which it came. 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 8. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ our pastor was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Sincerity and truth. Look at verse 15 again. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Everything is father-filtered. Everything's father-filtered. There is nothing that happens in your life or mine that's not been father-filtered. I mean, if you don't believe me, look at Job. Job, I mean, Job, Satan had to go to God to ask permission to do what he did to Job. And God allowed it. He allowed it to happen. And so many times I think... We have been duped by the devil in the belief of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that, hey, if you love Jesus, if you have faith in Jesus, everything's going to be A-OK. Everything's going to be all right because, hey, I know Jesus. And since I know him, he's going to make everything roses in my life. Matter of fact, my roses won't have any thorns. My honey won't have any bees. We just think everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be just right. And the reality is, Job is a fine picture that everything's not always just right, but it doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. Listen very close to that. I think we can get caught in that trap too, thinking since things are happening in my life, all this has happened to me, Lord, I must be out of your will. Or you may not think that, but your friends may, your Christian friends may say, well, something must not be doing right in your life or that would not be happening to you. You may be right smack dab in the center of God's will, and Satan doesn't like it. So he's gone to God to say, hey, if I just give him a little pressure, if I just give him a little temptation, if I just take a little bit of this stuff away, if he loses his job or she, or she loses her face at work or whatever it may be, if I just take these things away, they'll curse you. Everything in your life is Father filtered. Understand that. 
And as we're thinking about that, we're thinking about planning. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Um, I want to encourage you right now, take your attention up here. We have a short little video clip talking about planning because we know that God has certain plans for all of us. Some of them are the same. The Bible says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but all come to faith. And so there are some that God says, for God so loved the world that he gives the only begotten son. There are some things that are kind of not rocket science. Other things in your life, you know what? There's a specific plan for your life, a specific plan for my life. And so there's some things that are different. We just need to be in tune to what God has for us because he knows the plans that he has for us. Wait. What if we were to take a step back and put things into perspective? We all have responsibilities. We have schedules and daily agendas. They require a plan, a scheme or method of action laid out in advance. But these plans, they begin to own us, to dictate our lives, how we spend our time. They begin filling up our lives with the things that we deem important, things that define who we are. But what about you? What's making up your agenda? What's your plan? Because there's a creator who knows you, loves you, and has a plan and a purpose for why you're here. He knows you so well that he even knows the number of hairs on your head. So why not give the agenda of your life to the one who's already made it? Why don't you give the agenda of your life to the one who's already made it, giving it to God. As you plan, remember you're planning if the Lord wills. You plan for tomorrow and depend on God when your will is if the Lord wills. So the product principle, the last principle for today, the product principle. Look at verse 16. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. To make his readers, um, to make sure they understood, James reiterated that to boast and brag is evil. Self-centered bragging must be replaced by God-honoring trust. The cure for boasting is belief. The cure for boasting is belief. Listen to Romans 14, 23. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. From whatever is not from faith is sin. It is likely that chapter 4's concluding sentence here. Now, anyone who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it, sins, is related not only to the matter of boasting, but also to all the advice given thus far in this letter. Listen to it again. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is. Sin. 
James has been teaching practical principles, and he's still going to continue for one more chapter, some practical principles, and he says, you know what you ought to do, then just do it, because if you don't do it, then you're sinning, because you know what you ought to do. This letter abounds with exhortations to do good, to fail to comply is clearly sin in one's life. James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 says this, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. How do you plan for tomorrow and still depend on God today? You plan for tomorrow and depend on God when your will is if the Lord wills. That's how you do that. You know, everyone today has different ways and different kind of things they use to plan. I have, I have both. I, I use both and. I have this that I use for planning. I have a phone that I use for planning. But also I have a, um, the old school paper calendar that I still use for planning. There's something about writing it that a lot of times helps me remember it better <laughs> than even typing it in here. I can type it. I can say, remind me to do this, and I'll still forget to do it after I've been reminded to do it. You ever been there? You know? But we plan in all kinds of different ways. And even for us as a church family, we plan a yearly calendar. We plan things out. This is what we're going to do. And you would think, and hopefully we do, we say, if the Lord's will, but sometimes we're not careful, we may forget to say, you know what, if the Lord wills, if you will, we will do this. If you will, we will do that. And now listen, saying if the Lord wills is not giving you um, a little a free pass to procrastinate, <laughs> okay? It doesn't mean then don't plan then, just go willy-nilly. Hey, if the Lord wills, I'll do this or I'll do that. No, what it's talking about here is as you're planning, you plan and you say if the Lord wills. It's both and. It's not one or the other. And so I want to encourage you in your life that as you plan, as you think about things, and really it's reflective of this last year, what we've been through and all that throughout the world. It's been a global issue, not just here in America, but it's been around the world. When you think about what we've all been through and consider that, just remember that as you plan, plan and say, Lord, if you will. Now today, before you begin to plan and say, if the Lord wills, maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord yet. You've never received the Lord yet. Well, I've got some great news for you. The Bible says that God, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the good news. And there's one problem that all of us have, and that is sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God demonstrated his love for us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I love this visual right here because this is what it shows. Jesus climbed up the hill of Calvary, died on the cross for our sins. The Bible says he shed his blood, and then he was buried, and then he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that if you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. And so today, if you want to give your heart and life to Jesus, you can right now, right where you are, you can give your heart and life to Jesus. And when you do, the Bible says they place you in the palm of his hand, and no one 
or nothing can take you out of his hand. John 10, 27 through 29. What a wonderful promise that we have from God's word. And so today, if you would like to do that, if you'd like to ask Jesus to come be a personal part of your life, to be your Lord, which means leader. He's going to be the leader of your life. And Savior, what are you being saved from? From the sin and the penalty of sin, which is death. And so what he really is, he's the forgiver of all your sins. Yes, Savior, he's forgiver of all your sins. And so if you want to do that right now, if you want to ask Jesus to be that personal part of your life, you can do that right now. I'm have everyone, please stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around. If what I just shared with you, which is the gospel message, really rang true in your heart, in your soul, and you know deep inside, you know this is what you need to do. You've never given your heart to Jesus, never given your life to Jesus. Then right now, right where you are, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Not because of any power in the prayer whatsoever, but what happens is when you say it from the depth of your being, and you say it to God, and you mean it with everything that you are, something happens. He saves you. He comes into your life. And so if right now the words I say express what's going on deep down inside of your being, then I want to encourage you to say this prayer right now. Right now. You can say it out loud. You can say it silently. Because you're not praying to me, you're praying to him. He hears you either way. And so just repeat this prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize my desperate need for you. Please forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life and be my Lord, the leader of my life. And be my Savior, the forgiver of all my sins. Thank you for saving me. And Jesus, please help me to live for you from this day forward. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You have just heard a message from God's Word, and now it's your chance to respond. What is God calling you to do in response to today's message? Let us know by going to hbcmolino.com forward slash life. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today on the Highland Network. Enjoy your day.